This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> And welcome to episode 141 of the Half Measures Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Paul Kanawa. How you doing, pal? Good, Dan. It's too hot. It's too hot. It's it's too hot. I've had some I've had some feedback, Paul, on, on the intros of our podcast <laughs> from a, a new listener. Oh yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, it's so funny. The you know, just such a Kiwi thing to do. Just talk about the weather when the podcast starts. It's it's I don't, I don't know. It just feels like this room I sit in to record the studio. You know, the studio is always mm. freezing cold in winter, boiling hot any other time of year. <laughs> it's just it's no good. So now I'm going to be doing this in like a vest, and no one needs that. Wow. Well, that's that's a lot for me. Like I, I don't know if I get paid enough for that. Camera's off. I think that's one of the great things about when you do work from home is that you can t- like you can tailor your attire yes. a little bit more, which is good. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, and it's that business upstairs, short downstairs. I feel like this is probably one of the big barriers for us of ever going like YouTube, which is probably really the probably the next step for us, right? Yeah. Like, is how do we how do we take this online? But then we'd have to really like make ourselves presentable for every episode presentability is not something i place a lot of time in <laughs> once i've finished work it's like you get you you get the dregs of, of the teacup by the end of the day then all right paul hit me with what you've been watching all right so we've got a couple of joint watches this week which i'm excited to talk about but first i've got two things myself firstly this so i've so firstly i've subscribed to amc plus uh i thought i'd give it a you know give it a, a look uh, maybe give a few things a go give the platform a go firstly yeah, i'll come right off the bat terrible app i'm sorry amc plus not intuitive uh you've got this really strange right scrolling situation to get to seasons but content wise um there's quite a bit in there that interests me there's a lot of british dramas and police shows and stuff but the first thing that caught my eye was United. And this, United is a movie starring uh, David Tennant, uh, Dougray Scott, and it's based on the the true story of Manchester United's uh, legendary Busby Babes, um, which was the youngest side ever to win the Football League, and the 1958 Munich air crash that claimed eight of their number. And what I... uh, I really enjoyed this. So what I liked about this was as someone who's watched many attempted football movies over the last few decades, they are generally quite dire, quite awful affairs to the point where they're comical. And there are other podcasts I listen to which review football films because they're so bad. But this is an exception for sure. And 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 I'm really pleased about it because this is a story that I, I think needs to be told. It involves arguably one of the greatest club football uh, teams of all time, certainly the best Man United team of all time, I'd say. And so I had a great time watching this movie. It's a great find. This is a little bit of an oldie, isn't it? This is uh, 2011, yes, so it's been out point. a while. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so it is, it is out. It's been out a long time, 11 years. But uh, this is the first time I've seen it on a streaming platform here in New Zealand. So that was a real plus for me for AMC+. Um 
And I feel like it's this is sometimes the good thing about when a, a new streaming platform does come out is you often do get some of this like niche content. I think to your first point there before we jump into the movie, I'm with you on the the UI interface on this app is what like what are they thinking? I, I don't know how you can get something so wrong. Which should be so simple. It's and there's other apps out there that do streaming content that you can kind of copy the good things off of, you know? Yeah, there's no, no one's mm-hmm. no one's copywriting the way in which an app functions to a certain extent, I'd say. So, yeah, bit of a disappointment on the app. Right. But hey, um, but content-wise, as I say, as a first run, you know whether I stay subscribed is, remains to be seen. How much stuff's in there, but um, content-wise, this was this was a good one for me. I had a almost a personal connection to this. I remember my uh, my dad. Um, even though he's not a Man United fan, he he had a he had a poster on his bedroom wall of the Busby Babes team when he was a child, and my granddad kept it on his old bedroom wall. And I always remember being fascinated as a young kid going to my granddad's house and and seeing this this poster on the wall of the Busby Babes. So, um, and also the second thing I want to quickly mention before I forget, uh, Do Gray Scott, uh, who plays the part of Sir Matt Busby, I have given him a hard time for anyone who's got a good memory on this podcast before for his performance in, in Hitman and more recently in Mission Impossible 2. I sort of gave him a bit of a hard time. But this movie, he is in peak performance mode here in United and he really carries the the, the, the grandeur that you would expect for the role of someone as, as, as renowned as, and as famous as Matt Busby. Um, so this was a real real surprise i wasn't sure what to expect because as i say football movies not generally not good james scott uh, sorry james scott james strong um he's a he's a director who's really making a bit of a name for himself on the quiet you know his broad church he did um the hms what's uh, vigil that you and i a vigil yeah, yep. we watched a while back um he also did 11 22 63 which was like a, a time travel jfk series which i watched before we even started recording half measures that was fantastic and now you can add in i've discovered united um really love his stuff and of course david tennant in the in the lead um He's just really good as Jimmy Murphy, who's a Welshman, no less. So he has to put on a, we've got a Scotsman putting on a Welsh accent. He does really good. He he plays the part of the, the the guy who takes over as manager following the air disaster and how he went about his role. And it's a really uplifting, uh, powerful, heartbreaking performance from David Tennant. And it was, um, it was yeah, he was really well cast because when I when I knew he was associated with it, that obviously got me interested. But I was curious as to how he might go about it and he did it great that's good it sounds like a as you say it's always a bit of a, a roll of the dice isn't it when you're sort of doing drama history sport as your your key sort of theme categories but it looks like, like the reviews are promising a 7.3 out of 10 on imdb yeah oh look if you're a, uh, a football fan in any way shape or form or if you're in new zealand and you're thinking about giving the mc plus a try for the, you know, even if you're going to go for the seven-day for a trial, this is one to go for. The other personal connection I just remembered for me with this as well was um, seeing Old Trafford, uh, the, the the stadium of Manchester United, the way that it was back in the 50s uh, was really well. They did a terrific job of, of de-aging the stadium and, and some simple but really effective tricks to do that. Diana and I actually went to a game there back in 2006, which was the last time we were in the UK, and... I've got a picture of me stood next to the Sir Matt Busby Way sign. Um, so there's a lot of reasons I really wanted to watch this. 
great watch. It's good, and I think um, just to further sort of amplify your point, I think despite the uh, interesting and somewhat limited interface on AMC+, I think it does have quite a few TV shows of interest. I think it is one of those streaming services, though, that, you know, I think there's so many services now that I think people eventually have to make choices, right? Yeah. And I think this is one that you might you might have for, whether it's seven days or have for a month, and then watch all the stuff you want, and then might come back again, because I'm, I'm always just a little bit unsure whether they have the content strategy to back it up and sort of maintain the level of, level of interest over time. That's right. That's that's one of the big reasons why I don't have Sky, for example. There's just there's, there's there's too many, and some of the other main players have recently put their prices up as well and have brought in different streaming. You know, as we've talked about with options with ads and so on. But uh, but yeah. So one um, TV streaming app that costs absolutely nothing is TVNZ Plus here in New Zealand, and that's the platform that I watched. The second thing I wanted to to talk about, and this is. This is the second season to a show that I've been waiting for since before we even started recording Half Measures. And in fact, this, this series is so good. I talked about it in our very first podcast episode. It was in my top 10 TV shows for 2019, and that is The Capture. And so this is... Uh, I, I really don't want to talk too many spoilers, but it's around what you see isn't necessarily what is actually happening, um, whether it's CCTV being uh, modified or corrected, as they call it in the show, or live footage. And so this this first season was absolutely superb in 2019. There's been a long, long wait for the second season, and I sort of wondered if they'd be able to keep the momentum going, especially the way the first season ended. And this this second season just goes even further. So just how technology has come so far since 2019 even, the same is, is true with the show. It really amps things up in terms of like we're talking like um, like deep fake TV interviews with top-ranking cabinet ministers on the BBC News, which, of course, being a BBC series, um, you know, it, it all looks very authentic in the BBC studios and actually sort of like the idea of the Prime Minister talking or, or the Chancellor Exchequer talking, whoever it is talking, not actually being who they who they um, appear to be on the TV screen. It was an absolutely wild ride that just got more and more intense all the way through to an absolutely superb finale. I remember you raving about the show in our first episode of the Half Measures podcast. Mm. And looking at season two, like the these reviews per episode are, are pretty fantastic. And 9.3, uh, yeah. 8.4, 8.5, 8 8.9. Like this is this is this is good. This is um this probably further amplifies like I've never got around to watching the first season, but now that it's two seasons, this could be the time to jump on board. Oh, I would definitely say the to jump in there it's kind of a it's a line of duty meets homeland meets the blacklist meets I, I don't know there's just a lot of great elements in here it's um the the cast are absolutely superb as well the the lead holiday granger who i've talked about before with with cb strike she's the lead and she was the lead in season one she's the lead here again she is really good she's really solid and the other main lead in this is uh, Papa Isido, who was already a standout for me because he was the lead in the Lazarus project, 
and you've probably seen him in in the Gangs of London series. This guy is a terrific actor. You've got uh, Indira Varma from Obi Wan. Uh, she was the rebel who was undercover Imperial Guard mm-hmm. uh, in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yep. Ben Miles from Andor, um, which we'll be talking about very shortly in on this podcast in the future episode. Uh, Ron Perlman. It's just really clever, really tense. If I was to give a minor criticism, sometimes I'm like, is it going too far? But when we, we all see a, a deep fake Luke Skywalker on YouTube or some of the Snapchat filters, it's like if they can do that on a telephone that easily for free, then maybe the maybe they aren't going too far. I don't know. But um, I really, really, really hope that there's going to be a, a third season with this because this was just absolutely top draw and it was one of those you know it's one of those shows where you just can't wait to come back from work have your dinner and get the next episode on i enjoy that it's only six episodes per season i think that's sort of the you know the great kind of i think the thing when we talk about this all the time what bbc uh do so well like let's keep it tight let's keep it like relatively short and let's give you quality episodes yeah oh 100 and Look, I won't talk spoilers, but uh, a lot of people were, uh, what the word is, disappointed or whatever. Something happens in the final episode of season one that you're like, oh, really? And so they have to follow that storyline through in the second season. And it's really interesting how they uh, justify the decision of that ending. It's a really clever, really clever, well-written show. It's... um, Look, Dan, you and I talk about our top ten list. It's in the mix. This is how good it is. Ooh, it's getting it's getting heated and I am I'm really worried, Paul, because there's still shows to come out this year. We, we haven't even can, talked about it yet. All shows, so we can get our list then. Um so yeah, the capture available in New Zealand on T V N Z plus uh I can't 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 rank it highly enough and I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people who everyone who Your small council. <laughs> Yeah, my my smug 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 cancel. Everyone who's been on this has been positive about it. I've heard no hate. So yeah. So there we go. That's that's me for for this week, other than the two things we're going to talk about later down. What about you? What have you been watching? Well, I first I, I love that, Paul. I love that it's also on TVNZ on demand, so nice and free here in New Zealand. So I've got a, a movie and a TV show for you this week. So um, apologize as well to the listeners. I'm, I'm a little bit blocked up. I've had a bit of a, a cold, so sounding probably worse than usual. Um, the first movie I've got is a 2022 movie, which I watched here on Neon, called The Bad Guys. Now, you know, Paul, I love a good animated movie. Um, it's kind of a, a secret kind of side sort of enjoyment of mine. And so this has sort of been a, a movie that has kind of weirdly been on my radar for a little while. Like I've seen a few trailers, and I remember at the time when the trailer came out, I'm pretty sure it had uh, the Billie Eilish Bad Guy soundtrack, and I think it really kind of hooked me in. And I've always wanted to see it, but never quite enough to sort of go to a movie theater. But like I think you know, with these types of movies coming to streaming, it's so good because if you're just like oh, I just need, I just need you know something easy to watch. This is the type of thing I sometimes love to chuck on. So the bad guys is a animated adventure, basically to avoid prison, a gang of notorious animal criminals pretend to be basically rehabilitated, only for their leader to be secretly find out that he generally wants to change his ways. So 
it's kind of almost one of those like classic like you know if you've seen like zootopia type thing where you've got you've got the classic um the wolf who's kind of the uh the smoozing sort of bad guy the con artist he's he's sort of got this ragtag sort of group of friends they pull off these kind of elaborate heists that they're pretending they're trying to be good it's it's got a pretty great cast sort of as the voice actors we've got sam rockwell we've got aquafina um we've got craig robinson um it's it's a really fun movie i don't know if it is my one of my favorite animated movies like sometimes i'll watch an animated movie like a like an adam's family or a you know, like sometimes they, or even Zootopia, right? Like sometimes I think they really hit like a comedy sweet spot where mm. it's kind of a, it's a relatively wholesome uh, topic, but often with a bit of dark humor kind of overlaid on top. And it kind of, I, what I imagine creates it fun for both young and older. Like this one was okay. It just, I don't think it really hit the 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 level of some of the its counterparts. So I think it's still a fun movie. I actually think this one actually felt more kind of young person orientated than than some of the other ones I've seen. So look at great for the school holidays, I imagine. As an adult, I, you know, probably a take it or leave it movie, but I had an okay time. The cast really drew me in when you mentioned this and I started looking through it. In terms of a voice cast, um Craig Robinson I imagine would be just absolutely superb sam rockwell um zazie beats um she's got a great voice i remember her from the how do they fall um and it's interesting you talk about the that humor that goes both ways because i remember specifically well the adams family in fact where you talk about there's that dark adult humor that goes across the top but it's done in such a way that there would be no danger of the kids even realizing what was being said or made fun of in a inappropriate way that's right yeah and I, I think there's little elements of that, but I, I, it just doesn't feel as sharp. Like mm. I think sometimes on those uh, Pixar or um, DreamWorks sort of productions, like it feels like really crisp. I feel like, and this might this might be a little bit too far, but it feels like a movie that's been made during a pandemic, and they've kind of like, look, we've done the best we can, we've got this together, we've got a great sort of voice acting cast. It's, you know, like there's there's a few laughs in there, but it just, I don't think it quite hits the highs that I maybe expected it to from the trailer. Yeah, sometimes a trailer can be all the good parts, and there's nothing worse than that. I'm looking at you, Suicide Squad, version one. <laughs> Vision one, indeed, indeed. So, if you are interested in the bad guys, that is available to watch on Neon here in New Zealand. Uh, relatively short, hour forty, um, gets a six point eight on IMDb. So, sort of sits in that middle of the road, road range. The other thing I've watched is a TV show which I have long kind of banged on about here on the podcast, and this is on Apple TV. And this is the third and final season of C. So C is the uh, sort of dystopian future movie where basically something's happened on Earth. Uh, everyone is basically born without vision, so everyone's blind. Uh, it stars Jason Momoa. And it's kind of, it's it's been a real journey of a, of a series. Like uh, it's been in my, it was definitely in my top ten uh, in the first year, I was just looking. Um, I, was just looking. I can't remember. It was. I was just looking. It was. It the, was in last year as well. For, oh, it was in last year. So yeah. So it's like it's. This has been a real kind of. 
uh, surprise and delight. Like it's a little bit of a slow, slow burn TV series to start with, particularly sort of thinking back to sort of season one, but it gets really, really good. And, you know, season two kind of builds on that more. And it really does feel like a Apple TV's kind of response a little bit to like a Game of Thrones epic world building. This just fascinating notion of um, lack of sight in the world. And all of a sudden there's these young people born who can see and just sort of the, uh, just the weird dystopian future where it's kind of a little bit medieval because of just what's happened in the world and, just all of a sudden you've got these people that can see and they've got access to like libraries and learn new technology and it's kind of fascinating it's a very uh like dark and violent tv show at times but it's it's i find it it's normally well earned like it's not just constantly for the sake of it so it's it's i think that they do do a good job in the space i think season three was probably my least favorite season um, only in the sense that I think it kind of lost its way a little bit. And that was only eight episodes. It kind of felt like we were kind of retreading old ground mm. a little bit. And almost for me, it was one of those shows where the world got a little bit too big. So in season one, this is very much kind of focused on a uh, a sort of a, a smaller sort of nomad tribe of people living in the forest that kind of and this there's this wider kind of communities and settlements of people mm-hmm. by the time we get to season three we've kind of got full-blown cities and there's like there's a lot more people there's a lot more kind of hierarchy and season three definitely does have its highs like they really make sure they kind of basically conclude the series they they wrap up a bunch of storylines. They kind of leave some threads there. If in the future somebody either wanted to do a spin-off or uh, they wanted to do something different, but they, they they do enough to kind of close it out. But it was look, I I had a really good time with with this. I would say the third season would be if I was to rank them, it would probably almost be one, two, three in that order uh, of preference. But I like I think for Jason Momoa this has been a, a fantastic role. He is a complete badass in this. Uh for someone who can't see, he's an absolute weapon. A bit like uh old Matt Murphy. Sometimes the other senses are heightened, right? Yeah, uh, Murdoch, I think. Um- <laughs> Matt Murdock, who's Matt Murphy? Matt, Matt Murphy's like the knockoff version that you like. <laughs> yeah. It's like a cousin or something. It's like when you go into one of those sort of shops and they've got Transformers that aren't quite Transformers and they're way cheaper. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the Matt Murphy. He, he's got Matt Murphy's got yeah. vision out of one yeah. eye, maybe. Don't underestimate yeah. Matt Murphy. He's almost as lethal as Matt Murdock. <laughs> it's interesting. It's three seasons and it's the final season. And hearing you sort of say we're treading old ground. Like, do you think this was a deliberate decision to wrap it up or they knew that this was the case? Like, it seems I'm surprised based on the hype and how much you've rated it that it's it's finishing at three. What's the uh, what's your steer on that? Um, I think a couple of things. I think um, the way that it was written is I think they always kind of had a, a bit of a three season arc. Right. I also think that there is and I think we've seen this across a number of streaming streaming platforms is I think by the time you get into the third, fourth plus season, the costs are just skyrocketing, right? Like, so, you know, cast and crew are wanting sort of like big sign-on bonuses for for staying on for that long. I think 
potentially like once you, you know you're doing seasons three four whatever you're not necessarily bringing in new watches you're probably bringing in uh you know people who are already like so like new content drives new subscribers and probably new money and so i think that's probably a little bit to do with sort of the the streaming model as well right. um that's based on nothing but my own kind of observation of what sort of what we sort of see in some of the space but I I think a fourth season would have would have probably been too much, but I do think they could have maybe used some of the time in this season a little bit differently to maybe, I think further conclude some of the arcs and maybe cut out some of the some of the stuff we've seen before and 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 it's again with, without sort of going full spoilers, it's it's kind of retreading um relationship tensions that we've seen for the last three seasons yeah. basically and look I, I i shouldn't even ask the question in a critical way either i think actually sometimes wrapping things up and doing it on your own terms when you want to do it i think is a is a is a great thing i think there are tv shows out there to name but one like the walking dead where maybe they've they've gone too long too far there are also shows i'm looking at you star trek enterprise which didn't get to go as far as they wanted and never had a conclusion that it wanted. So I like sometimes if they can tell the story in three seasons, great. And look, I, I would imagine like you probably can't hold on to your Jason Momoa for, yeah. you know, too many seasons. Sure. And we're going to come to a little bit of this when we talk about the the Witcher and the news desk and that, you know, Jason Momoa, I'm sure, has a very busy dance card with many different options on it. And to keep him for too many seasons probably just blows out those costs as well. Thank goodness we never had dance cards in our day and age, Dan. Just the very notion of it would have terrified me. I feel like I use that saying way too often, and I always have. And I feel like I don't know where it's going. I've I, never I think heard you say that before. I, I think I learned – oh, haven't you? I feel like I learned it at school. And I feel like a teacher might have said it when we were like getting ready for a disco or something and it stuck with me. I say it all the time. It's a common common piece of Daniel Whiting uh, terminology. Very good. Shall we uh, jump on over to our joint, uh, first joint watch of the week, which is Tales of the Jedi? Yes. So a blind lawyer by day, vigilante by night, Matt Murphy fights crime in Wellington as... The new Daredevil. Um, this was <laughs> this was not the show we were talking about. Amazing. T- Tales of the Jedi, Dan. Uh, so animated Star Wars. You've got my attention. You've got, I've got. I know it's got your attention. We've had a great time with some of the other animated shows: Rebels, Clone Wars, Bad Batch. This one, though, a little bit different in that it is short episode, short stint. We've only got what was it? Six episodes? Was it? Six. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that showcase uh, Jedi from the prequel era, one of our most cherished eras. Not everyone's, but you and I are on the same page in terms of very much liking it. And unlike Star Wars Visions, which was also short stories, this one keeps the what am I saying? The animated style, look and feel of of Clone Wars, of Rebels, so that it's very much part of that lore and and it carries on those stories, doesn't it? I really hope, Paul, that we get more seasons of Tales of the Jedi because I think it's a, it's a really wonderful concept. And I I know a lot of Star Wars fans who have never watched The Clone Wars. They've never watched um, Rebels. And 
you know, there is some rough seasons of particularly the Clone Wars at the, yep, at the start, yep. but there's also some of the, the best Star Wars that you'll, you'll ever see in your Correct. life in there as well. And I think what Tales of the Jedi does well is it's kind of like they're serving you up a little sampler of here's some great Star Wars lore, L-O-R-E, and like this is going to be helpful for you when you are watching The Mandalorian and uh, Ahsoka, and if you're a fan of the prequels, here's a little bit more information, and it never outstays its welcome. And in fact, it almost makes you want more in, in such a fun way, and I, I thought this was fantastic. Oh, I agree. And look, the only criticism I guess I was going to come in with is 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 basically what you've just said in a in a positive way and that is that it was it, it was too few episodes and they were they were too short I was like I, I felt like by the end of each episode I was like Kylo Ren firing on Luke in The Last Jedi just demanding screaming for more because it was just so good it was it was some of the episodes felt like they were so quick it was almost like watching a, a, a teaser trailer or something it was just like that this can't be it um and that's always the sign of a, of a great show because um yeah this, the sampler analogy is a really good way of looking at it this this will really whet the appetite for anyone who's yet to venture into the animated series and, and if i guess if you come away from this and think it's not for me then i'd probably say steer clear altogether because this adds so much richness and depth to characters who other than the novels and the comics i gotta be honest i didn't think we would potentially see or certainly not at this stage in their life and i i think what's so great in here is like my favorite episode was uh, number five, yeah. uh, which was Practice Makes Perfect. And I think that episode was a beautiful like fan service moment, right? For all of us who have kind of just grown to love Ahsoka Tano, love the relationship she has with Anakin. We've always known Anakin's been so hard on her as a teacher. And to just see this episode link back to the most spine-chilling episodes of the Clone Wars was just a, a pure mark of genius. If I was to say my one critique of, I think, these little six episodes is I kind of wish we only had like one Ahsoka episode and one mm. uh, Dooku episode. And like, because a few of them, like, they're, they're, like there's, you know, there's two or three of some of these characters. And though that's awesome, I think given the short nature of it, I would almost rather, like, we just got the one Ahsoka and then we just focus on some of these niche characters, like, bring in Ventress, bring in, uh, you know, like, bring in some of the Dark Disciple content. Like, there's some real cool, like, Quinlan Voss, yeah. like, there's so many little nuggets and I think just getting a little taster of uh, what Count Dooku is up to is so great. And and then I think in season two, give us another little nugget of it and it would be a real slow burn of seeing some of these evolutions. Is there another way of doing it? Um, it's too late now because I've gone with this way, but would another way of doing it actually be to go by character and have, let's have six episodes of Dooku and let's follow his journey through. Cause we get the two episodes of Dooku that we get. And we, I guess we are talking spoilers here. You know, he, I like it, Paul. He, I'm on board. He's much younger here, and then by the end of it, he's just getting that little bit older. You know, he's got the beard and the voice. Corey Burton comes in as the voice, and it's so funny because, of course, uh, having watched so many years of Clone Wars, hearing hearing anyone other than Christopher Lee as Kent Dooku may be quite jolting for some people, but hearing Corey Burton for us is familiar territory because we know that voice. But I wonder if 
playing it through like that. And then the second season is like the Ahsoka journey through the prequel. I mean, it's my favorite episode just for the record was actually number four, the, the Sith Lord um, with, with an unexpected show, uh, uh, Yaddle uh, showing up and sort of answering a few questions, which have bugged Star Wars fans for years. Mm, I I think and like there's so many great moments, right? Because I think the other moment which I think the internet's going absolutely bananas over is in the final episode re- resolve where we actually find out Ahsoka Tano was at Padme's funeral. Yeah, hidden there, just hidden, blinking, you miss it, and she's she's right there. And I think it's um, you know don't go looking for it in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> You're not going to find it. Although I wouldn't put it past actually no, Lucas is gone. I was going to say I wouldn't put it past them putting out another special edition. <laughs> It is interesting though because I think, you know, for you and I, this is this this makes Star Wars so much richer. Like every time they add this, it's like it like it, it gets more warmer and more cozier. I do sometimes wonder now, like there is so much Star Wars. If you were a bit like you know, like you staring down the barrel of the um, the Marvel films, mm. like like there is literally just so much, and where you start is not is not simple like you know obviously like we talk about this a bit with the um the core saga of movies but when you start to bring in this this wider universe it is both rich and overwhelming yeah it is and on that episode that final episode clancy brown uh as the inquisitor just an absolutely super performance from him he i hadn't realized but he he's he's been in rebels uh, he of course was in uh, the Mandalorian, and now we see him again. He's he's just absolutely got a super relationship with the Star Wars universe. I am really curious to see what they do next. But for me, the the biggest joy of all of these six episodes was having so many. Just I mean, I, I guess I mean more behind the scenes. Just the cast coming back together. So Ashley Eckstein uh, back as as Ahsoka again, having Matt Lanter as, as Obi-Wan, having Dee Bradley Baker come in and just the, the, the Clone Wars gang is, I guess, the ones I'm, I'm mainly thinking of. But then also there were some really nice surprises, you know, having Ian McDermott show up to play Darth Sidious, having Liam Neeson show up to play Qui-Gon. And um, there was a lot of stuff that's been covered off in the in the Dooku Jedi Lost book, in Master and Apprentice book, in the Ahsoka book, that they touched on different elements. That there's also something in there for fans of the novels as well. It's a real, it is, it's a bit of fan service, but um, but it's just it just ties things together. It's like the glue between little episodes. And I think it's what's what what I also quite enjoy with this is like you're watching an episode. And you kind of have to like, oh, what part of the timeline are we in? And you kind of have to work it out based on like looks. the way a character looks or like an interaction, and it's it's so fun. Yeah, no, it, it really is. I am. Um, I'll be honest. The first episode didn't grab me particularly, and that really worried me because I thought, oh, are we? Is that the tone for the next? And you know, on reflection, it wasn't that bad an episode. But even just now, I've just I've just for the first time just looking at the rankings and it. it everything gets either an eight or a nine. This one's a 7.1. So maybe I wasn't alone in that, but it didn't start off with a bang. But by the time you come into episode two and you've got a young Dooku showing that he's, he's maybe not the Jedi that everyone thinks he is. 
Uh, and then you move into Mace Windu coming in and showing that actually Mace Windu is going to get chosen to sit at the council ahead of Dooku and what that's going to do. I'm hooked by then. Gone. And it's funny, right, because I would almost say episode one is the one episode, like though I think, you know, obviously like beautifully made and great to get a bit more of Sokotano origin story, but the one episode... I didn't really have any que- like I didn't I, I didn't need that information right no. like whereas all of the others kind of served a real core purpose for me yeah um, the yeah the the Yaddo episode obviously had a lot going on because you know even in Attack of the Clones when we saw the end Dooku flying off to see Darth Sidious you know on his on his speeder bike thing it's like you better make sure you're not being tailed by anyone because if anyone ever hears your conversations with Sidious, and of course that is exactly what we have happen in this episode and at that point, because we know what happens next, we know there's only one outcome for, for the character that in, that's in trouble and how that was going to happen was probably as interesting as because we knew that it was going to happen. It was real tense. This is good, Paul. This is uh, a great little Star Wars experience. I do wonder if, like, they could have saved this for us, like, because we're we're already kind of like we're we're into Andor at the moment. We've got a little bit of a, a wait until Bad Batch, which is now coming out early next year. Yep. Um, we've got obviously Mandalorian season three. I wonder whether this could have hit at a slightly different time because I felt like I I kind of feel. I feel Star Wars happy at the moment. I'm not kind of like, oh, I need some Star Wars. They, they could have really dropped this at a, at a, a maybe a more, uh, and, and maybe they've got, I'm sure their marketing team is way more on top than I am, but I, I feel like this could have maybe dropped at a, a bit more of a drier time in the season. It's like when someone walks past you, we're like a waiter and they've got the most beautiful looking burger and fries you've ever seen in your life, but you've just had a real good curry and you're like, do you know what? I don't need that right now. And it doesn't have the same effect. You're all happy on Star Wars. Mm, mm. I get you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, the food for thought. I wonder whether they maybe weren't too sure how many people would sort of. I'd, I'd love to know how many people watch this, and I'd love to see some some of the metrics around where the sort of the follow through of like the orders that people watch stuff in and what they sort of go back to. But I think this is great. This is all the guns for me. Yeah, oh, I, I would be the same. Absolutely, all the guns, and it was a real welcome surprise. Actually, on that note, Dan, it makes me wonder. Um, we've never, we've never really ranked the animated series, but there are enough animated series now. When you think about, you know, Clone Wars, Resistance, Rebels, Visions, uh, Bad Batch, Tales of the Jet. You know, this for me, I feel like, although it's not the same scale as some of the others in terms of duration. In terms of quality of story and all the rest of it, it's right up there. Mm-hmm. I would love to to know like whether this kind of got someone. Oh, I loved it. Is, is this what Clone Wars or Rebels is all about? I'm going to go watch it. Like I'd love to know that. I think it's an interesting because to bring up your conversation around the the timing of it. I think we haven't talked about Andor yet, but just to dive in that very briefly, that is, Andor is bringing about a different look and feel of Star Wars and a different maybe a different type of audience. And they may be actually uh, realizing that based on numbers or based on social media mm. commentary. Maybe they're thinking now's the time to drop some animated content that's not too too long to see if we can test the water with potentially this this new audience that's there that maybe have have never looked at some of the animated stuff before. 
That is true. That's true. Actually, that you're, you're probably dead right. Like, there's probably not a lot of young people watching indoor. No, so. I would hope not. In some cases, <laughs> that makes sense. Well, Paul, shall we uh, jump on over to the movie of the week? Let's go. So every week we take it in turns. We choose a movie. Uh, we announce what that movie will be a week in advance in our Discord community, which you can join by clicking on the link in the show notes. And then we return seven days later to review it. And here we are this week. Dan, we have gone with The Stranger. Yeah, so this is a 2022 movie about two men who meet on a plane and strike up a conversation that turns into friendship. For Henry Teague, worn down by a lifetime of physical labor and crime, this is a dream come true. So this movie uh, primarily stars um, Joel um, Egerton, who we most recently saw in, uh, what was that movie called? The Tunneling One? The the Nine? No, The Thirteen. Uh, Thirteen Lives. 13 Lives, yeah, uh, and Sean Harris. And so one of these characters, so Joel um, Egerton's character, he plays uh, Undercover Cop, and he's basically trying to trying to work with Sean Harris as a who's been a lifelong criminal to understand uh, a crime that he's committed in the past. And he's working to... And traps the wrong word, but basically, like he he needs the evidence out of him um, to to ultimately commit them, commit him for a crime which they haven't been able to um, to land. And this is a a really kind of uh, slow burn movie, and it's all about kind of high tension. And I I I don't know about you, Paul, but I would say slow burn with kind of limited payoff a lot of the time. I absolutely love this, Dan. I, <laughs> I slow burn. I am a fan of slow burn, as I've talked about a number of times. I feel like I'm having a great time with Australian content, full stop, at the moment, actually, because, you know, we talked about Utopia, my favorite Australian comedy. I talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about The Twelve, my favorite Australian drama. And this, for me, is one of my favorite Australian movies of all time. I was blown away by how much this movie grab me because when i put the movie choices through to you um for the week i i had no no preference either way you know sometimes when you put two through you might have an inkling more for one than the other this i was like whatever they both had equal appeal and just press play and see what happened and there was just so much about this that surprised me and resonated with me and uh, i'll talk about some of the reasons as to why but yeah as a as a overall i was really surprised by the quality of what I got and at the same time I'm quite surprised that most people seem to be maybe in your camp down with the ratings I'm seeing from Metascore and, and IMDb. I think it's interesting right because I, I kind of found the the general the plot and the the story here interesting. I, I did find the tension high I thought uh, Joel's acting um, as an undercover cop, as Mark Frame, always felt very kind of like high tension. And I, I, I never knew what was quite going to happen. But I, I guess for me, I, I, I felt the tension, but I, I didn't either get the release of the tension or something to happen to kind of bring it to life. But I... I you know, another thing we say all the time, I don't think... I think I thought the acting was great... I just don't know whether the story had the uh, 
the kind of the, the 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 bang that I was looking for, or the or the conclusion that I really wanted. Like obviously they they kind of get the job done at the end, but yeah, um, to to, to jump and I, again full spoilers to jump to the conclusion as as fine with the ending as I as I was. What I didn't like was that there was no sort of text at the end of the, the the end credits to sort of tell what actually happened, how long he served, what happened to the undercover cop, how that worked going forward. I really missed that. And I think for this sort of a movie, because because the three things that made it work for me, one of them was the fact that it's a, a, a true story, always one of my favorites. And so at the end of the true story, I've come to expect some sort of, you know, Dan Whiting King never recorded a podcast for 25 years after this event, you know, he's now serving a life sentence. What I expect some sort of text at the end of that to tell me what happens afterwards, what's the history that's happened between then and now. And so that was missing for me. That was one of the, so that was one criticism I had. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think I agree with you. I think that might've sort of rounded out the story a little bit. I also think, you know, it also helps when you, you see a real life photo of the, of those people Yes. and it kind of, again, like, Oh wow, they look just like this person. Uh, but I didn't get that. It does feel very Australian to me. Like uh, I am also a big fan of uh, Australian TV shows and movies. Um, and often they, they do hit for me and which is why when you, when you put this up as an option, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I, the poster looks great. The, mm. you know, I, I do enjoy a slow burn, but yeah, I, like I didn't have a bad time. I just kind of felt like it was, I really felt like I had to work for the hour 57 length. Okay. I, um, yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, the three factors I was going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> three factors I was going to talk about. The first one being that true story. The other thing was the the two leads. So so Sean Harris and Joe Edgerton. Joe Edgerton, and you know, we've watched three of him in a row. Obi Wan, uh, thirteen lives in there. This legend. He's absolutely superb, isn't he? He, he, he yeah. When he Amazing. entered the movie, when his character comes into the movie, uh, he you know, given that we've already met the other character, he instantly brings with him this imposing, sinister intimidating nature and i know straight away that okay i need to be wary of this guy this guy's the big the big bad but of course he's not he's he's the cop he's just doing a great undercover job but that's how much weight he throws into that performance um and then sean harris on the other side um for me he's uh, he's been on my my radar ever since the last two mission impossible movies you know he being the villain in both those movies he is quietly the scariest person since what's his name from no country for old men. And, and, and he has that voice that just terrifies me. And he has these, these, these eyes that is like dead eyes, like Jared Leto. He is, uh, yeah, I don't know how to say this. He's almost a bit skeletal, isn't he? Yeah. Like he's kind of like, oh, yeah. his eyes are sort of like deeply sunk in the back of his head. I don't know how to say it about him, given that, you know, <laughs> without offending, but he just looks terrifying and so those two actors together the the the, the true story and the, the third factor for me which also really just really threw me off guard and i love was the style of the direction so um thomas m wright the director here he he had this manner where he would just throw things in a different direction very suddenly especially in some of the there was a lot of scenes with like waking dreams 
which is really unnerving and a real sort of sensory experience with the choice of sound volume at times was actually really like making you jump when you weren't expecting it from this type of movie there was a lot of things in here and so as a writer director um yeah thomas m Wright, he's 100 on my watch list i thought he knocked it out the park for me i i just i guess i came in with i don't want to say low expectations but i came in with no expectations in and left really quite taken by it mm. I came in the opposite, so I obviously came in with high expectations, and and look, I feel like I'm being quite hard on it. Like I didn't have a terrible time. I, I don't really have any major critiques, apart from the fact, as I say, it just kind of felt like great, great cast, interesting story. I think because I think the reason I I feel like it didn't have the the bang or the tension for me is I sorry it had the tension and we constantly had these kind of like these different kind of the criminals uh, versus sort of the the cops and the undercover nature of it and the high tension relationships but none of them ever really eventuated into anything like it, it almost felt so real life to me and maybe it's because I'm I'm used to a bit more, a bit of like Hollywood explosion and some some great kind of like chase scenes and, and I ne- I never quite got them and I I wonder whether this is a this is a probably a like a real life take on what it's like to be undercover in this type of situation yeah it's like the the bosh of the police series it, it was very methodical and i think actually to that point i think it's a really good point then is if this were not a true story then my reaction to this outcome and level of intensity would be very different because i would be the same i'd be like mm, oh, come on yeah. kind of, but because it's true story i'm like okay that's that's uh, if anything i uh, almost appreciate a movie that doesn't over dramatize in a true story sense so i um yeah, I just I just thought the chemistry between these two. I mean, like both of them, top tier. I mean, I, I can't Lennon and McCartney. You know, great. We always know that. Yeah. Oh, and I agree. I agree with that. I think the the cast fantastic. Uh, I I actually I even do think sort of the the directional style. And I think that you're right to call out those waking dream moments. Like they they were they were done really well. It was just yeah. It's, I think it was it was the story for me mm. that I, I think I just wanted a bit more from. So probably for me, this is probably around uh, maybe a two guns for me. Yeah, I'll go I'll go three on that. Three guns for me. Real yeah, real little gem. So it'll be real keen to hear other opinions because i everything you've said so far then makes absolute sense and i can understand why anyone might come away and i would say the majority of people have probably come away with that reaction given the ratings Mm -hmm. it's uh yeah i think it it is still worth checking out so if you are interested in a high stakes sort of uh undercover true story then you can check that out on netflix right now that is the stranger well then I've come away this week with positive reactions to everything I've watched, which is not always the case, but so that's good. But what's what's your what's your pick for this week? I think I'm going to have to go with Tales of the Jedi, only because I haven't really been keeping an eye on the sort of build up to this, but knowing sort of been knowing it's coming, and it's really just been a a surprise and delight of how good and enjoyable it is and not that i really should have had any reason to doubt that it just i think i i I wasn't paying attention so when it was kind of served up to me absolutely perfect what about you 
Yeah, it's interesting for me because I, um, as I said, I love the the AMC Plus find of United. Thought that was fantastic. I, I, like you, tells the Jedi was all the guns, and I, I've just said how much I enjoyed the movie. But I have to give the pick of the week to the capture. For me, it's just a, a next level. It's a real fast moving, tense. It's like what do you call it in your you're fast and you're furious when you you, know, you think you're traveling fast and then you hit your nitro boost or your turbo boost and whatever the gas is it's like you really then you really hear it go that's what this series is like <laughs> when uh what, what would be dominic toretto's cousin like uh dave, dave david toretto david toretto hits that nitro what's it called nitrous yeah. nitros yeah. the nos, nos. the nos. Nos. yeah yeah the nitros yeah that's the one okay. yep yeah, it's about family. I'm, a, I'm not about cars. I'm a- um, that, that's a good chat. Like, it's, it's always good when we've had a week of great content to sort of, you know, you've got so many great options, some great recommendations in there. Shall I take us on over to the news desk? All right. So as we sort of touched on a little bit earlier, um, it's recently come out that uh, Henry Cavell will be leaving The Witcher. So a lot of sort of mixed reactions to that. So he's been replaced by Liam Hemsworth, uh, one of the Hemsworth brothers. Uh, unfortunately, not one of the favourite Hemsworth brothers, uh, which is uh, <laughs> probably probably not great being one of one of those three three brothers, um, and so there's a lot of fan kind of backlash around this. So one sort of around calling that the the Witcher TV show is 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 dead, as they say. Um, Henry Cavill was uh, only contracted for three seasons. He does have a, a full dance card. He's obviously got Superman on the horizons now. Um, and I think this does also play a little bit into this model of, I imagine it's probably tough to keep like Henry Cavill, like budget wise, um, schedule wise. And I, I I've have seen articles where Henry Cavill is basically like he he brought The Witcher to life on Netflix. He is uh like he's he's a proper nerd, Paul. Like he he is about. He's about the the Witcher character. He is about the 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 books. He's about the video games, and he he's he's been on record as saying, "I will keep playing this character as long as a, it is a true and accurate representation um, of the source material." And I think that there's something in that where I don't think he's happy in the direction of the Witcher. I think the the the, the pull and the of the Superman cape that's. Yeah, with that having just broken as well recently about him returning to that franchise and him putting on his social media, there's got to be, I can't imagine those two things aren't linked. But yeah, I think for someone to come out and say those things um, gives fans a sense of this guy's for real. He loves it like we love it. He's here for the whole duration. We don't have to worry. And so that's even more disappointing because I know that would never be his uh, intention. And the other thing about Liam uh, Hemsworth is, funnily enough, I've not seen him in so and thought he was bad in it. And I'm just looking through some of the movies he's done, and particularly, obviously, The Hunger Games. I've always thought he was fine. I don't know that I've seen a bad performance. Maybe I haven't seen enough stuff. But hey, we're comparing him to Henry Cavill. Well, I think this is the problem, right? Like, like, 
Liam Hensworth is like he's a good actor like he's been in some great stuff I think he's stepping into a very tough shoes of an internet fan favorite playing a character which you know Henry's already brought this character to life and I, I just think you're you're kind of on a bit of a hiding to nothing and mm. uh, a role like that unfortunately but anyway watch the space we'll we'll see what happens um, I'm sure there is a possibility to salvage this, but I, I feel like they might have to go in a bit of a different direction. Uh, what else have we got here? So James Cameron uh, says uh, the success of the Avatar sequels will determine whether the fourth and fifth films actually happened. And I actually thought this was, this was quite good. Um, he's sort of come out and said, look, if, if people aren't watching it, I'm not going to make movies four and five i'll wrap it up in movie three if that's what the people want like i'm only going to do it if this is if this is what the audience is saying and i think i think this is good right because james cameron has long talked about these avatar movies it's been 13 years since the first movie i don't know if i'm interested in the second in the second movie i definitely have limited interest in four to five of these movies but I, I, it's good that he's kind of been a bit realistic about it, right? Like, if he's got something good, he'll keep it going. If he doesn't, he he knows when to pull the plug. It's it's fascinating to me because just about everyone I've spoken to about this has been, oh, I don't know if I'm interested, and and I'm the opposite. And yet the irony is, I was never about the hype when it all started and it all came out. I had no interest in it at all, and then I eventually sat down and watched it, like on. Blu-ray or DVD or something back in the day, and I thought it was amazing. And now I'm probably really hyped for the sequel, even though I, I'll be honest, I thought the trailer did nothing for me. Um, so we are talking about someone who has got like what two movies in the top five movies of all time, if not top sort of maybe six out of the top twenty or something crazy in terms of box office. So um, he generally brings success wherever he goes. Indeed he does. Uh, in Star Wars news, so the Acolyte cast has now been revealed and production is beginning on this uh, Disney Plus TV series. And one of the latest cast members to be announced is uh, The Matrix's Carrie Ann Moss, which I think is very exciting. There's uh, quite a bit of information sort of floating around the internet now. The Acolyte is set in the High Republic era. Looks looks fantastic. More great Star Wars content on the way. As we learn more about that, we'll definitely be talking about it here on the news desk. Uh, in the same vein uh, of Star Wars, so Andor Season 2 is beginning filming this month. So they start filming uh, Season 2, which is also going to be the final season, uh, on the 21st of November. And they're going to be going to Yavin, which is very exciting, ultimately connecting us to the Rogue One storyline. I'm hyped, Paul. Can't wait. I'm hyped as well. And again, I like knowing that if this season two is the final season, I like knowing that up front, you know, so that I know what I'm getting. Just like with The Walking Dead World Beyond, you know, we knew it was two seasons. Indeed, indeed. Um, what have I got? Two other things for you here. So Stranger Things season five, the title of the first episode has been revealed. So chapter one the cruel was going to be our, our first episode so we're not expecting stranger things season five until 2024 um but it's apparently there's a stranger things day now and this is where it was announced everything's got a day paul <laughs> podcast day half measures day everything's got a day 2024 day. these these kids are going to be you know 
mid forties. It's incredible that I, I can't yeah, wait to see what's yeah. going to happen. Indeed, indeed. Um, actually, I lied to you. I've got two more bits of news still. So uh, HBO has cancelled Westworld after four seasons. So a little bit of a, a sad bit of news. I feel like when Westworld first started, really kind of like kicked off with a hiss and a roar, kind of came out at a, you know, we're in peak HBO, Game of Thrones territory. Westworld was something new and exciting. I think, unfortunately, kind of lost a lot of people after the first season. And I've, I've heard really positive things for sort of seasons, um, for seasons three. And um, I think even the, the, the cast and crew of Westworld were actually hoping for sort of a fifth and final season. So hopefully they're able to wrap up the, uh, the, the series. Mm. But um, sad news for fans of Westworld. For sure. And then last bit of news for me. So the last, yeah, this just in from Hawk an hour. Sure. What am I saying here? So last bit of news for me. So the Last of Us TV show um, has got a release date. So that will be dropping on January the 15th, which is very, very exciting. If you're a fan of the Last of Us TV show, it's going to be a busy 2023 for Mr. Pedro Pascal because he'll be going from The Last of Us, from what I understand, straight into The Mandalorian. It's going to be, he's going to be owning the first half of the year. Incredible. He's going to be everywhere, that guy. Yeah. And that is me, Paul. Anything on your end? A couple of little pieces here. Firstly, there's a, a Dune prequel series in the in talks at um, HBO Max, which is is great. I need to watch the movie first to actually um, be able to get on board with all that. Um, Disney Plus is looking at a Indiana Jones TV series. Very interesting idea. It's one of those things where... If you haven't got Harrison Ford uh, attached to it, will it work? And he's recently announced that he will not play Indiana Jones again after the the, the fifth movie that comes out next year. So that seems to rule him out. But, um, you know, it's a character we love. It would be interesting to find out what that's like if it goes ahead. And, yeah, and then Disney Plus uh, now has the rights to Doctor Who. Going forward, all new Doctor Who material starting from November next year when the series takes back off again will be uh, shown internationally on Disney+. And so that's kind of old in news, but the news that's developed across that is that there may be some some creative input from Disney+, Plus, which at first wasn't thought to be the case in another podcast far more reliable than us in Doctor Who news time traveling team podcast will probably have more up-to-date news about it than me but the latest seems to be that there is going to be some involvement from disney so it'd be interesting to see what that looks like very good uh anything in the mailbag this week uh yes a couple of things here dan firstly the director of australian tv series the 12 daniel netheim liked and shared our review on instagram as to did uh Coco Jack uh, Gillies, um, who you may recall from Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, she was the actress who played the role of Claire, who the whole court trial was around, also shared our review. So that was that was awesome. Uh, we had um, ex-footballer and Instagram influencer Jamie Kay from New South Wales enjoyed our review of The Empire Strikes Back last week. 
commenting that he agreed with you, Dan, that things would have been a lot easier all around if Han Solo could have just gone and paid off Jabba the Hutt and then come back to help the rebels. It would have meant a whole lot less carbonite for everyone, probably. I feel like this is a lesson that uh, Han Solo has never learnt in the entire uh, Star Wars saga. Always pay your debts. Pay as you go. It's the easiest way. Um, now, what else? Oh, so we, you know, you and I always encourage people to give us their top tens. We've had a few over the last year or so. We've had a few come through. And following on from some top tens he's provided previously, Mr. Michael Chalmers from the fine state of North Carolina has given his 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 top ten TV shows of all time, which is a big a big list. That's for me. I'm always interested in hearing people's top ten TV shows of all time because it's a big coveted list for me. Just really quickly, this is the 10 that he gave us then. Blood Drive, this is in reverse order. Blood Drive, For All Mankind, Dark, Fringe, Firefly, X-Files, Angel, My So-Called Life, Gilmore Girls, not to be confused with Golden Girls, there's a whole story behind that. And number one is the the Sarah Michelle Gellar TV series from the 90s, Buffy the Vampire slayer now my initial observations to that dan is for all mankind is in my all-time top 10 list too so we have that in common and i love x files and fringe dark i found very confusing but i had a great time but for the other six shows i can't even say i've watched them so i've got some new shows to think about the only other one there that i've seen is firefly which is a, a great tv show loved by many people is that one on your radar at all i feel like you're poking the bear. I I tried Firefly and I gave up after three episodes. The lead actor was it Nathan Fillin, like Fillion. like a cheap hand solo piece of garbage. I mean, I'm just losing listeners Whoa. as I go. Whoa. I couldn't stand Whoa. him. Easy Tiger, easy. <laughs> this is someone's favorite show, so I need to be careful. But yeah, hey, look, it's not for me. Just like the prequels are not for Michael Chalmers. You know, we all hey yo, we all have our things. <laughs> yeah nice um but yeah thank you michael we do genuinely love hearing people stop tense so do send us yours um and finally so the last peak performance we did was for demi Moore, and we had some some great shouts come in uh we had bab from the hawks bay uh she went with uh gi jane and ghost um two contrasting roles um she commented of course those were our picks as well so thanks bab uh geek girl review from australia went with the seventh sign classic 80s movie made even more classic by the fact that it stars alongside michael bean bine bean i always forget how we say his name um michael chambers again i think bine bine that's right okay michael not michael bine michael chambers went with uh honorable mention of charlie's angels full throttle and then a peak performance of saint elmo's fire and Paddy from Time Travelling Team Podcast, 321 of Ghost. A few good men, and peak performance for him was G.I. Jane. And that is the mailbag this week. Although I have to say there's been a whole lot more in the Discord channel for people to get amongst too. So if you like to talk TVs and movies, come join us. I feel like there's been some real ribbons in the Discord channel of late. Yeah, really. There's been, there's been some real management. That's probably why I came out so hard about Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> I look. I was going to say it's also good to see that uh, Mr. Michael Chalmers is, 
you know, using the proper half measures metric of honourable mention yes, and then peak performance correct. because I, he was using the old model, you know, and it's it's good that he's he's changed his ways. He'll probably be back to the three, two, one next week. You wait and see. I know, I know. One day, one day we'll get them all in alignment, Paul. Should we do our um our peak all performance right. then? Yeah, so each week, uh, Paul and I, much like Movie of the Week, take turns choosing a different uh, actor, actress, director, producer, and we talk about what we think are their peak performances. This week, Paul, we're looking at Sir Christopher Lee. What are your choices for me this week? Yeah, this is a, a really a really great pick, and narrowing it down to two was another tough challenge, but... I've decided in the end to give my honourable mention to him for his performance as Scaramonga in 1974's The Man with the Golden Gun. And I just absolutely love having one of the all-time greats taking on a, a Bond villain role. I feel like if you, if, you, if you consider these movies in timeline order, he was by far the biggest actor to, to, to become a, a Bond villain at that point. And he was so good opposite Roger Moore. And, you know, in my recent rewatch of all the Bonds, seeing him as Scaramanga was just great. He really does have such a great voice for any villain. But as a Bond villain, he just really brought a majesty. And even though this is not one of the better Bond movies, just to give that another reminder, this was in like my bottom five out of the whole lot. Sir Christopher Lee is a real highlight for this movie. So, yeah, so that's my my honourable mention, but the, the peak performance for me, uh, one of his um, later roles, um, as you would say, Dan, I can't go past, can't Dooku. Um, he was, for the prequels, I guess what, you know, what old Obi-Wan was for the classic trilogy, you know, someone of great power, of great knowledge, of experience, but with the wonderful twist of being a Sith. And again, a voice that lends itself to that role probably more naturally than just about any other actor I can think of. And, you know, and also he was 83 when he filmed Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, he put in a stellar performance in both movies, but I would probably, of course, go with his performance in Attack of the Clones. So many great lines. So many times I find myself using Christopher Lee lines from Attack of the Clones. Um, Just superb. So that's me. What about you? Good shouts, Paul. Very good shouts indeed. So I I, I kind of feel a bit guilty because I've really gone with the classics here. So I can't go past his performance as uh, Saruman in The Lord of the Rings. Uh, if I had to really sort of like pick a movie, maybe uh, would I go for the first one? Oh, I don't know. Would I go The Fellowship? Oh, I'm, I'm struggling under the pressure. I originally was thinking Return of the King, but I think he just plays such a – a uh, wonderfully terrifying old man wizard mm. in um in the Lord of the Rings, and I just think it's it's so well done. And I think you're right; like he's got a an absolutely perfect voice and a man with so much history. Um, just a, an incredible performance. And then, much like you, I've also gone for Star Wars. Uh, I've actually gone for Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith for my peak performance. And again, I think. As far as the whole sort of the prequels go, 
Christopher Lee's character as Count Dooku doesn't actually get a lot of airtime, but he has such a, a memorable impact um, across the whole sort of timeline and franchise. And, you know, much like we've talked about in today's episode, that character is huge in the, in the animated series and has such a, a big impact on that era of the Star Wars timeline. And I think Christopher Lee just did such a, a wonderful job um, of, of bringing that character to life and, and giving it a life be, beyond the movies. So for me, uh, The Lord of the Rings and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Great, great choices, Dan. I think um, I love that you've got Lord of the Rings in there. I think um, you know, when he was actually in The Hobbit, right up to 2014 age 92 even though i agree with you in terms of the performances in the lord of the rings trilogy but in the hobbit because he was so much older he looked somehow even better for the role you know it's like the the older he got the better Mm -hmm. for the part he looked um but yeah extraordinary career well, he like he's like I think we've talked about him before at some point, but he's like he was in like World War Two. I think he was yeah. like SAS. Right. Like he's a he's the man. He's the man. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. Does indeed um, get in touch with us, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, or even Twitter if you're still there, um, or halfmeasurespodcast.com. Let us know your peak performance with Christopher Lee. What you thought of The Stranger, and if you've watched Tales of the Jedi, thank you for listening this week. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon of the show and have your name read out in the producer credits, then you can find the details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.